Madam, what year is this? 2013! Welcome to TARDIS Talk, the weekly podcast where we discuss all things Doctor Who. This week, from Albert Square to Albert Einstein, we take a look at all the minisodes and special one-offs from the past 59 years. And helping me to dig through the archives with me this week, it's Mr. and Mrs. Blobby. Although that's a really weak, tenuous one. I was kind of trying to link it back to Dimensions and Time. And I thought Mr. Blobby would be a good one. And then I couldn't think of an alternative. attacked by that name. Did, did Blobby appear in Dimensions and Time? Not remotely. No. So it was crap. So I've got Matt, Matt and Cooker joining me this week, just in case you couldn't tell. Um, your weaker so far <laughs> <laughs> look we so a couple of disclaimers this week we are recording pre-recording in advance again uh, I am sitting here nursing a, an aching stomach with a tummy bug so <laughs> we are we are on firing form today um, yeah so normally of course we do our weekly news stuff but we're not having the opportunity to do it again this week because we're pre-recording um, anything popped up in the news that springs to mind for you guys uh, there's some new promo images for Legend of the Legend Sea of Devils. The sea Devils. Yeah, I saw those because the Doctor Who magazine uh, uh, Legend issue comes out this week, doesn't it? And there is speculation that the trailer is going to be out at the at least by the weekend, if not by the weekend, then by the end of the week. Because um, it's a they seven confirmed the date yet? No, this is what we think is going to happen when uh, Doctor Who magazine comes out. They're, they're going to confirm the date. But put it like this: we've said it before, haven't we? They've said they said Easter. The only Easter Sunday there is is the seventeenth of April. That seems like a pretty bob on time for it to be to be aired. So I reckon it'll be seventeenth of April. I'm pretty convinced it's going to be seventeenth. And if uh, if I'm wrong, I'll eat my fist, followed by my hat. Mm. But no, no other news in the in the uh, in the in the Who universe this week, unfortunately. Um, at least nothing major that I've seen anyway so again we'll have to go back and edit again I suppose won't we it's very very quiet at the moment isn't it it's doing that thing it did again before Christmas though isn't it when we go through like a a wasteland of news with absolutely nothing no information diddly squat I did see an interesting rumour on Twitter um, and (laughs) take it with a pinch of salt and it was really ambiguous but it it, it was someone posting last night saying that they've got insider knowledge you know take that with a bucket of salt they've got insider knowledge that um the 14th Doctor announcement will be uh, in a month um, or so and uh, it's nobody that's been named so far apparently and if it's true according to this person they've said if it's true then um, it will make Doctor Who very interesting I don't know what the hell that could mean uh, if it's uh, the 14th Doctor announcement has uh, been rumoured since November <laughs> well yeah but it's yeah. still another I've you know that, that that's the type of thing it's, I've got insider knowledge which is vague ambiguous and doesn't actually tell you anything yeah exactly exactly apart from the fact that it's not named if it's right it's right and you can't say otherwise well the only thing you could go with is the unnamed bit i suppose if it is an unnamed actor well yeah but but it normally is an unnamed person well yeah that's very good that's a very good point actually that's a very good point um has anyone actually like leaked it or correctly predicted it beforehand was capaldi rumored or leaked um I remember hearing things about him, but he wasn't a frontrunner or anything. No, because, yeah, I've got a feeling he was named or at least kind of like speculated upon, but it was only kind of like a fleeting thing. And then when he came out yeah. in the mist on stage with Zoe Balls. Um, yeah, interesting. 
Okay, so this week we uh, are obviously talking about uh, minisodes and specials. We're specifically focusing on three particular specials, Dimensions in Time, Curse of Fatal Death, and Time Crash. So we're kind of like looking at the full gamut of uh, Doctor Who specials. And we've, we felt it was kind of, we needed to cover this in some capacity because these like little mini episodes, these mini one-offs and charity specials and stuff... Um, for like quite a period from especially in new who um they they kind of form a part of the promo trail i guess in a way don't they um children in need with time crash for example uh so you 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 get these sorts of things like that come along but then you've got loads of other ones as well haven't you i mean what what okay what are we defining as a minisode are we defining like the the DVD Blu-ray extras, the, the the webcasts that would go out before each episode at the start of each week during RTD's era? What are we defining it as? Because it's I guess any any supplementary TV material. That's a good way to put it. Conceivably, be inserted into canon. Like, <laughs> well, what the fuck are we doing covering dimensions in time then? <laughs> no, um, yeah, you're right. Yeah, so basically, like a minisode would be something that you would kind of like missing scenes, delete scenes, and extra bits and bobs um, that they put on because there's, there's there's a wealth of stuff out there, isn't there? Especially with the DVDs. Um, I think like series was it series five when they started doing special for the DVD stuff. So there was that um, uh, extra scene with Amy where she asks the TARDIS to start showing her the previous companions and it starts flicking through like a slideshow. Have you seen that? Yeah, I do remember that. Yeah, so... Mm-hmm. And that, was, that wasn't that was on TV, obviously. That was just explicitly for the DVD, so I don't know whether or not that was that was the case. There was also the um, the other minisodes in Series 7 with Clara and Eleven, where um, they are basically sort of... She, it's, it's where she's having that kind of like relationship with the TARDIS. And she's, yeah, she's... I, I do think they're they're the ones where I was introduced to Minnesota. Really, I didn't really yeah. do a lot of the browsing of, um, you know, all the old ones or the ones that are specifically only available on the internet until yeah. those ones were first brought across my attention. They're the ones that kind of inspired me to look elsewhere and how I then stumble across the rest. Because there's loads of them, and then of course there's the other branch which you just mentioned, Matt, which is the the web based ones, and they came around in series two. Um, they came around in series two when. Uh, we basically got kind of like these prologues to episodes, didn't we? Um, so there were lots of prologues to episodes where they were kind of like very short, brief teasers of what was going to be coming, but they, they didn't really kind of have any impact on the story. They were just kind of like small, self-contained, one-minute, two-minute bursts. Um, I remember vividly one about the uh, Rise of the Cybermen, the Age of Steel. There was something to do with um, to do with like the Resistance type stuff to do with that, wasn't there, if I'm not mistaken? Or was it an advert for it? I can't quite remember. It doesn't ring a bell to me, that one. Do you remember any of these, Cook? He's gone deadly silent, which means he's fallen into a black hole. Which like one specifically? <laughs> I the... don't like me because I have a cold. So <laughs> coughing and oh, great. Coughing and We're all dying this week. Um, yeah. Non-specifically, non but do you just remember any of the Series 2 promos that came before the episodes? Um, no. No, but there were there were there were quite a few of them anyway, weren't there? We had some for Teeth and Claw and stuff like that, and they 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 were like supplementary, like you mentioned. And then we've got the third kind of like definition of what we're classing as a minisode in the sense of charity specials and one-offs for things like comic relief and children in need. Um, so for 
anyone who's like watching and isn't aware of those if they're kind of like overseas listeners or whatever they're charity events that the bbc run every year um once specifically for children and once specifically for all sorts of charities like charities in africa and stuff and what they generally do is get the bbc dramas to do um various short scenes or specials and stuff like that our first proper glimpse of david tennant was with um uh, it was was it children in need i think it was wasn't it It was children in need and it was it has a name i think it's called born again and it's 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 just a tiny little add-on sandwiched in between yeah, yeah. just just flip back the way he kind of go manic around the concert isn't he and yeah, yeah, yeah. rose after that's right yeah and he's basically sort of talking about um uh it's, it's sandwiched in between christmas invasion and the parting of the ways and he's kind of like talking about new teeth and barcelona and all that business and it's yeah so they they, they do stuff like that so that, that's basically what we've got. We've got these kind of like three distinct separate definitions of them. Um, so talking about about the ones that we're going to look at to start off with, and then we can just randomly start picking at ones that spring to mind. Let's, should we start back at the beginning then and go chrono- chronologically through it? And it's easy for me to say, put my teeth back in. So Dimensions in Time. Cannot remember the year for the life of me. I want to say it was 1993. Yeah, okay, cool. So it was 1993 for the 30th. And... <laughs> Obviously, you guys wouldn't have seen this transmitted. Were you even born in 1993? Been one. <laughs> been one. Right, fair enough. So I was I at primary school. Exist. Yeah, I was at primary school, and it was basically me and uh, my best friend um, uh, were completely obsessed with Doctor Who, even though it had been off her air for years. So seeing that this came back was really, really exciting. Through the eyes of a child, Dimensions in Time is fantastic. <laughs> Because um, we had these like <laughs> 3D uh, anistropic specs as well, which you used for like, it must have been a collective amount of like three seconds during the entire thing. Okay, so question for you, because you guys watched this, didn't you? I think you caught it on YouTube. Yep. Um, what is the, 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 the plot is basically the Rani's trying to create some sort of time zone to control evolution. Is that about it? I, I, don't, I don't even think there's like a legitimate plot what? with it. Did you pick up on a plot yeah. with it? A few things going on, isn't there? There's meant to be the Rani's collecting specimens so that she can control evolution of all life throughout the throughout the universe. Which is her modus operandi, yep. Yeah, which she's also trying to trap and torment the Doctor in a localized uh, time loop, stroke time tunnel, I think they call it in the episode, don't they? Jesus, it had more of a lasting impact on you then, because I, I watched this today and I couldn't remember remember the plot as I was kind of like coming to record yeah, this. So I've also watched this today. Well played. Well played, Matt. Well played on the attention span there. Thank you. I'm not quite sure how the two um, stories are actually connected. It just feels like she's trying to do both at the same time and not doing either one of them perfectly. Yeah, that's just the Rani all over there. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a very fair point. Also, point of interest, this is the first exposure to the Rani you guys have had as well, played by Kate O'Mara. I'm right in thinking. I have seen her in, I think, maybe the first episode of Sylvester McCoy's. Oh really? I, oh, right, I okay. don't think so. Only a think, little bit. I think you've given me a um, Rani episode to watch before because we talked about it. Definitely not. We were going to do Mark of the Rani because she's only been in two. We were going to do Mark of the Rani, but I, I strongly advised against it because for for Cook's sake, because the pacing's incredible on it, and I mean no, incredibly. Slow. I'm talking about a long time ago. Uh, not, oh, maybe then. Not in, maybe not. Possibly. Not within the last like three or four years. Longer than that. It was a very strange choice to not have the master in it and have the Rani in it. I'm not quite sure what the what the what the trainer thought was with that process thinking it was great to see all the classic doctors in it including um tom baker but it was a very strange choice to have 
the Rani is the uh, main antagonist back in it. I don't quite know where that came from. That was very different. Very, very different. Okay, so from a story perspective, did you guys enjoy it? No. Yeah. <laughs> what, about you? what about you, Matt? The definition of all over the place, isn't it? But, but I get it. It's meant to be the fans' pleasure just to get as many as many of the Doctors back on screen as possible. Yeah, yeah. It, Does I, it work? I enjoy the different combination of Doctors and companions and flitting between one yeah, to the other. Like that. That's done really well. Yeah, yeah. But I wish they'd have just lent on that more yeah, yeah. than trying to do everything else they were trying to do. It was because they were also sandwiching it in with EastEnders, so they were bringing the two shows together. Obviously, EastEnders being the the, the long running British soaps in London. Um, so yeah, As somebody so. who's really not watched any of EastEnders though, I recognise the location, but everything else was wasted. <laughs> yeah, uh, we were just saying a moment ago. It's quite funny to see they were referring to like 2013 as the future, and the characters they had on screen, half of them were dead, half of them look younger than they do now in that. Um, <laughs> it was it was quite badly foreshadowing, obviously. We agreed abandoned timeline, didn't we? Yeah, basically, yeah, abandoned timeline, yeah. Um, so, Cook, in terms of the plot then, like uh, the, the way that they pulled the Doctors in and out and inter- made them interchangeable with different companions and stuff, did, like time skips, aren't they? Did you like that? I really, I really, I thought it was quite clever. Yeah, it's all right. Yeah, I think if, that's, that seems like a clever concept they could I don't use. Think there's any... I don't think they could have done that better, to be honest. Yeah. In the amount of time that they had. Yeah, yeah. Um, it wasn't supposed to be like story heavy either, was it? It's a bit of fun, but they just wanted to have a clever well, mechanism. It wasn't for supposed it. to be, but they kind of seemed to try and make it without it being, and I don't think it really works. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, that's a that's a that's a fair point. Interesting to see a lot of the companions back as well. Um it's the only on screen uh collaboration between the Sixth Doctor and the Brigadier that we ever get as well, which is really very heartbreaking considering those two would have gone brilliantly together. Um, but yeah, yeah, that's any on-screen collaboration we get with those two, and it was nice to see that Sylvester McCoy and Sophie Aldrin were like reprising Seven and Ace as kind of like the bookend to that story because they were the current, you know, they were the incumbent Doctor and companion at the time, even though it was like four years after the show had finished. Um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> it, did you guys notice like all the different monsters and stuff as well? Scattered through oh, areas, a massive amount of monsters, but they all looked very. Um generic to me yeah i mean they don't recognize the enemies <laughs> that, from or whatever that's it yeah well, yeah but also like again it just it it, it was in all very much fan service is the only way to describe <laughs> it it was they're all on the screens and there's one bit with the right he's like they want to be back to the tardis and almost like rejected work is like oh, okay <laughs> yeah yeah pretty much yeah <laughs> i do have to say if like four years on from the show's end and that's the best John Nathan Turner could come up with for a charity special. Poor John. There's no wonder the show got cancelled. I know, I know. It was, it was, yeah. He was clearly kind of like shoehorned in. I don't know how much involvement he had with that. I know he was kind of behind it, but I don't know how much involvement he actually had with it. In- interesting. I don't recall seeing a Dalek in that shot anywhere. I'm pretty certain there were. I'm pretty it. certain there were no Daleks in there, which means they probably didn't get the rights to it from the the, the Terranation estate. I'll have to look into that. It should be typical because they're stingy. Yeah, they're very stingy, Terranation estate. Um Yeah, no, it was it's it's an interesting mechanism to to pull something in. There's no real plot. I think Matt, you've nailed it perfectly on that one. In the terms of fan service, that's all it is. Mm-hmm. Um it's like they've basically gone to the old BBC props warehouse and gone, right, here's an inventory, find every piece of Doctor Who shit you can find. Yeah. <laughs> Let's get it's loads not of extras. Down, pick it up. <laughs> yeah, basically. Um they even had Fifi from the Happiness Patrol just like rolling around on a 
uh, cart of fruit and veg by the looks of it. So, um, but at the time, I remember watching it and thinking this is amazing. I also love the fact that they used a lot of the original like Dominic, Dominic Glynn soundtrack from the from the eighties. So a lot of the um, Eighth Doctor soundtrack, which was that's Eighth Doctor, Seventh Doctor soundtrack, which was uh, really brilliant from that point. Um, it wasn't Dominic Glynn, it was a lot of Mark Ayres and Kef McCulloch and stuff like that. Uh, which is a recurring theme, actually, in quite a few of these um, specials that we're going to talk about, because uh, they, they keep leaning back on a lot of the old classic soundtrack. What did you guys make of the fantastically 90s theme tune rendition? I Tumbleweed. I did not notice it. What the hell? How did you not notice it? It's like yeah. it's like the Doctor Who theme tune on acid. Okay, so you're gonna have to go back. It's like a jungle. It's like a jungle remix it of the Doctor Who theme tune. Feels a bit out of place, doesn't it? Yeah, when you look at all the other ones, particularly with that um, that intro as well. The whole thing just feels a bit off. Yeah, 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 yeah. Very much. But so. I'm glad they did one. I'm glad that there was. I'm glad there was new music, and I'm glad they decided to give it a proper intro to make it a proper. Yeah, yeah, you know, uh, like give it a proper episode Fresh. feel as opposed to just yeah, yeah, yeah. cut into whatever was happening. Yeah, exactly, and it and it does work well in that respect, especially at the time. Like you were watching that, and you'd be like, "Oh, wow, really cool!" You know, the the new Doctor yeah. theme tune's awesome. And blah, I'll, tell blah, you, blah, blah. I'll tell you what's me, and just to confirm, I'm not going to say it's it's good by any stretch of the imagination. <laughs> what works surprisingly well is that effect where they snap between different Doctors. Yes, yeah, it's a weird one though, isn't it? Because it's just, just a screen wipe, but it, it works yeah, so well. <laughs> it's such a cheap effect, but it does jump through pretty quickly. Um, no, I do like that. So the doctors that are, that are back then, we've got Pertwee, Baker, Davison, Baker, and McCoy, and they all come back. Obviously, I think Tom Baker had cancer at this point, if I'm not mistaken. That's why he didn't actually film any on location stuff, and he has a shaven head. I could be completely talking shit, but I'm sure that's what someone told me. Um, but yeah, it was nice to see like John Pertwee back in his final ever role as the Doctor on screen, uh, and he mar- he like just amazingly rolled straight back into the role as well. I think without any effort whatsoever, it definitely feels like the Third Doctor is back on screen again after what for him it'd be about fifteen years, wouldn't it? Something like that. But then you guys probably haven't seen that much of the Third Doctor, have you? I guess you've seen the ones that we covered. No, but I think you could say that about most of the actors, to be honest. Yeah, Christopher Eccleston on audio said he slip back into it quite well mm. and the companions as well was quite interesting to see them coming back and the, 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 the choice of companions so who did we have we had let me think about this we obviously had Ace we had Romana we had Leela we had Perry and Nissa. we had Crikey oh we had Susan Sarah of Jane course Sarah Jane was in it she was you're right yeah Sarah Jane um, uh, who else did we have we had uh, Liz Liz Truss from the Home Office, she was in it. Um, we had who else? Oh, the Brigadier, of course, and Mike Yates rocking up randomly. Um, and I feel like I'm missing someone. I really do feel like I'm missing someone. I can't think. Oh, we had Victoria, who, God bless her, Deborah Watling, rest you know, rest in peace. She, when she played Victoria in the '60s, she was like quite young, and she looked quite young. And in this, she just looks like she looks and sounds like a batty old woman. So she's the, the the woman in all the Victorian garbs who rushes off the boat with the Doctor, um, part way through. But yeah, I guess I guess it was nice to do that fan service nod again, uh, which is which is kind of what you'd want from something like this. Um, yeah, I, I, is there anything else that you guys can add from a from a kind of like a, you know a fresh take on it? I've seen Dimensions and Time Blue times before, especially when I was a kid. So, is there I any- remember the plot. 
Yeah, well, because it's just so bizarre and frenetic and just crazy, and it's just packed with energy. I love it when Peter Davison just randomly, the Fifth Doctor, they're cornered up against a wall, and the Fifth Doctor and Perry and Nyssa sort of turn around in the street, and, and the Doctor points in the opposite direction, goes, yeah, quickly, this way! Run, and then they, and then the they run way. the opposite way! It's like, is well, that intentional? Really he's his companions, he probably want to cannon <laughs> Is that intentional? I don't know. Is that like a Fifth Doctor in-joke? I don't think so. It just seemed brilliantly awkward. Um yeah, no, I I really enjoyed watching it though. Uh, I, th- I thought it was that was a good laugh. Anything to add to Dimensions in Time before we move on? Uh, a tiny thing that gave me joy was mm. the um the popping out and the popping in of the roundels to show the creatures they had trapped in the. Dark. Yes, yeah, I quite like that as well. That like she's I'm literally guessing, collecting them in the wall. <laughs> I'm guessing Troughton had passed away by this point. Yeah, I think he died in ninety. 90- no, he died in the 80s. He died in 87 or 88 or something like that. Yeah, I'm fairly certain he did. Um, Hartnell's obviously... Oh, he's long gone. Long gone yeah. Yeah. My God, though, what are those... What were those bloody it's faces? Oh, what, what is what is it she says? Pickled in time like gherkins in a jar. <laughs> These awful faces just rolled across the screen. Yeah, that, that was brilliant. Oh, I did love... I did love seeing K9 and Ace and Seven together. I thought that is a dream team if ever there was one. That's brilliant. That's fantastic. Ace with her own pet robot dog. It was, it was such a short amount of time though to have Kanan on the screen for. But like oh, everybody else got like yeah, yeah. a good a good few minutes at the very least. And then he's, poor Kanan's like, "Hello." Thirty <laughs> seconds later, he's probably been in like warehouse storage for about seven years, and his his, his motor functions are all mothballed, and he's probably kind of like needing a load of WD forty on his casters and stuff, no doubt. I don't know. Um, they did actually bring about seven Ace and Kanan. For this thing called Search Out Space, which was kind of like a kids' education show about space, and they did like a Seventh Doctor and Ace bit, which was a weird choice to have K9 back in it again. But um, yeah, tell you what, actually, this is just jogged a memory. There is in the in the nineties, there was a series of in the you know the BBC um, novels Doctor Who range. They did like unique novels and stuff. They did a short trips range, and in one of the short trip stories that was written by somebody, can't remember who who it was, it was a sequel to Dimensions in Time. Um, set with the only with the seventh Doctor and Ace, um, but it was set back again in Walford where Eastenders is set, and it's uh, yeah, it's, it's quite a funny little short story. I've forgotten all about that. All the things to write a sequel to, they thought that one needed a sequel. <laughs> Look, he's crying out for it. Okay, <laughs> we need we need a return to Albert Square. Too smart. Um, okay, then let's let's move on. Then so time crash. What year was time crash? Two thousand and seven. Yeah, we're not. This isn't chronological. Oh, apologies. No, curse of fatal death. Thank you. Curse. Oh, it's, I've got it written the wrong way around in my notes. Curse of fatal death. I'm talking shit. It's the curse of fatal death. So, um, don't even ask me what year curse of fatal death was. Late nineties, ninety nine. What year was it? I think it was ninety nine. I've got a feeling it was ninety nine. Um, yeah. Was it? Hey, sweet. And it's the we first. Have to let him struggle. It's obviously Stephen Moffat's earliest uh, official writing for Doctor Who, I guess, in some capacity, isn't it? pretty much because he, he he writes for this there's now obviously uh curse of fatal death was for comic relief and it was um more kind of like a self-contained story with some clever elements um basically about the doctor has finally given up saving the universe i think he said he like he's saved every planet in the known universe 27 times uh and he's now fallen in love which is obviously something foreshadowing what happens in new who um but he's fallen in love and wants to retire and the master played by the excellent Jonathan Price isn't having it 
and uh, it's worth noting Rowan Atkinson plays the Doctor obviously or one of them um, and he constantly tries to sort of like you know instigate the Doctor back into battle again mm. um, and it's across two mini parts isn't it um, I really the, the, the first half is who can who can uh, trap stroke undo the trap in the best way <laughs> which is such a brilliant conceit it's fantastic and it's executed really well as well um, I love it so the bit you're talking about obviously is how they keep saying you know I went back in time and I spoke to the architect of the castle and yada 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 and they keep outdoing each other and the master for the second or third time falls into the sewer and when he comes back he just steps in the room and spits a mouthful of shit everywhere <laughs> which I think is fantastic well, yeah, I think that's the second time isn't it Cause the third time he comes back to the Zimmer frame that's right yeah uh, slowly waddles wait for me yeah. he's, <laughs> he's got like a big fat turd sitting on his shoulder as well absolutely yeah, that, brilliant that, there's a lot of time and effort went into that speech around crawling around a sewer yep. when he comes back up and he's like you know the mountains of dung and eating the wor- uh, the slugs and all that rubbish no, like, exactly, yeah, that, yeah. that's a lot of effort to write that visual for my mind thank yeah. you that's that's it that's exactly it but um so this this particular story had like a loose plot in it in a sense didn't it and i think julia swahala was the companion and <clears throat> excuse me um and it's just basically kind of like the doctor yeah deciding he wants to give it up and and i think i think that some of the clever parts about this are like the play around with time travel and just that like it 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 takes the piss out of doctor who quite a lot doesn't it in a roundabout way in a, in a in a in a kind of like real kind of like heartwarming homage sort of way. Yeah, um, yeah. The sequence. So again, it, it, it's it's nice to see something be able to to laugh at itself. It's affectionate poking fun, isn't it? Yeah, and I yeah. think it's important to call out the fact that you know we've always, we've talked about it as well in past episodes. We talk about the fact that you know if you accept show about time travel, it's not going to make sense, and the sets wobble and all those types of yeah. things. And actually just being upfront about it and being able to laugh at yourself and move on yeah, yeah that's the right way of handling it yeah definitely definitely it's like the the uh the, the the joke with the corridor where they keep running into a different a different <laughs> shot and it's just the same corridor over and over it's just brilliant well, even the little bit where they're constantly centered to the, i'll explain later yes yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> which is just a constant doctor who trope i'll explain later it's, it's just basically what he says all the time which is fantastic companion interrupting the doctor showing off as well Yes, 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 yes. That's, That's another one. There's, it's Stephen Moffat, you can tell he's always been a fan because he wrote that meticulously, I think, um, in that respect. And it was brilliant. And Rowan Atkinson as the Doctor is actually a very convincing incarnation, I think. I could totally see him as the Doctor. Yeah. I could totally yeah, see him as the Doctor. Um, you know. uh, and even Jonathan Price as the, as the Master as well, I suppose, to some extent. You guys recognise him, I take I would it. definitely welcome him as the Master. Uh, yeah, he's great, isn't he? The show. Yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah. Can you imagine if he did, actually? That'd be brilliant. That'd be like some sort of uber retconning canon sort of mind stuff going on. That'd be brilliant. <laughs> it's just like it's Dimensions in Time is now canon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. No, but I mean... That's can you what ma- the 60th's going to be. It's just going to be an extended cut. <laughs> well, we'll talk about that. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, essentially... Um, yeah, this is this this is definitely more comedy based. Dimensions in Time was like taking itself semi seriously, whereas this is definitely just like a joke because it was for comic relief, so it was it was a comedy skit. But they did it so well, and of course we get the whole we get the first female Doctor under this one in Joanna Lumley, of course, um, who falls in love with the Master, which is quite interesting. Um, what else do we get first in this one? I don't I, I don't really think they. Do they acknowledge the the Dalek bumps 
in a in a tongue in cheek way. It's not really kind of like a first, is it? And they just kind of like take the piss out of it in a way, I suppose. Have you got any any, any particular? They're turned into breast implants, aren't they? Etheric beam locators. I think you'll find the cards. <laughs> <laughs> but yes and I love the little joke he makes about when he's talking to Emma the doctor's companion and she says well they're breasts and he says yes well they're firmer than someone's <laughs> proper bitchy I missed that actually Pro- proper, proper bitchy little comment which is fantastic um, I love it when you get I love it when you get an enemy in just kind of slight tangent but I love it when you get an enemy in a show and they're ever so slightly camp to the point of actually being camp like Magneto in the first X-Men uh, second X-Men film when he sees Rogue on the uh, on the on the jet and he says oh, I like what you've done with your hair <laughs> it's just like Row! <laughs> very much the same with the master in this one I quite quite enjoyed that well how don't he gets called camp doesn't he he does he does actually yeah 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 because of all his, his, his ridiculous things um, and again the production tell you what actually the production value in this particular story I thought was fantastic the, the very very brief CG shots you know that that, that shot of the uh, upside down castle on Tursurus and then the interior shot of the chamber where the TARDIS has landed but it's kind of like a long shot um sort of like filmed on green screen if they brought Doctor Who like that back like that in the late 90s that would have been great I really think I would have enjoyed that maybe the Daleks looked a bit ropey but for the most part I think the rest of it looked alright I, I couldn't really fault it I suppose um, you've also got to bear in mind this is only six years off the show returning which is interesting it's not a massive a massive amount of time is it it's, it's relatively short in comparison to like dimensions in time so I reckon they probably had a little bit of money to sink into this though for 999 yeah who needs mosquito like, as, as a one if, uh... if this was the getting on point for a new Stephen Moffat <laughs> series I don't think they would have thrown quite as much money <laughs> no probably not Pro- probably not in fairness um, I do like the the different versions of the Doctor as well you've got Hugh Grant who we mentioned last week in the production rumours who's since denied by the way um, surprise surprise Hugh Grant actually portrays the Doctor for a moment doesn't he um, mm-hmm. you've got Jim Broadbent as a bumbling incarnation of the Doctor trying to think who else you've got who else Richard have we got e. Grant. yes who actually reprises as a doctor doesn't he? he 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 becomes the unofficial ninth doctor until Christopher Eccleston's actually cast for the for the show so yeah it's funny isn't it how that, that panned out actually um, you got a lot of actual links back to the show which is very interesting and then Joanna Lumley is the 13th doctor which is first female incarnation bloody is she does she is that the 13th in, incarnation it, well, yeah, if, if wow. Ron X is 9, Richard e. Grant's 10, Jim Broadbent's 11. Hugh Grant's 12. Uh, Hugh Grant's 12. That's right, so yeah. So then she becomes 13. Wow. That is, that's that's crazy foreshadowing. Yeah, very good point. Very, very good point. Mm. Are there any particular parts of this then that you guys really enjoyed? Uh, all of it. <laughs> yeah, it is good, isn't it? It's, it's just good, good fun, yeah. I quite like to see a series, a comedy series of Doctor Who in this style. I think it'd be quite funny. It's almost kind of got a red dwarfy tint about it in a, in a roundabout way. Um, I also, again, we were talking about the production values a moment ago. I was mentioning that. And I, again, I, I like the use of classic sound effects and uh, tracks from the old scores. So you've got kind of like a lot of Dudley Moore stuff in there, a lot of stuff from the um, from from the, the early 80s, which is pretty interesting. Um, yeah, I, I, I like the fact that they kind of like really referred back to it in a, in a homage style um, like like from a love letter perspective at, le- at the least anyway yeah no, I thought it was really enjoyable in that respect but yeah so uh, I mean there's not really much more we can say about Curse of Fatal Death can we it's just generally really funny 
Yeah, yeah, I agree with that statement. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. Okay. Right, well, let's move on then. Let's talk about Time Crash finally. So, what? Time Crash is what, 2007? Is that right? 2007? Yeah. Okay. Uh, Matt, give us the plot for Time Crash. Oh, I've got, that's twice in a single thing now you've called me out for a plot. <laughs> Cook, so, give us a plot for Time Crash. Yes, out of it. <laughs> uh, so, Martha leaves the TARDIS, obviously, at the end of Series 3. <laughs> and Spoilers. Because of what the Master did to the TARDIS, obviously it's not been configured properly or whatever. Um, the Doctor takes off and accidentally crashes into his own TARDIS from the past. Mm-hmm. And he bumps into himself, fiddling with the controls yeah. of the console. That's basically it. Yeah. That's basically it, yeah. So, um, Fifth Doctor, Tenth Doctor. Um, the way that they handle the fact that Pete Davidson looks different I think it's just fantastic I, I, it, we've said this so many times and I will say it until I'm you know long in the tooth that's the excuse they could just use to bring back all the other doctors well they call it the shorting out the time differential that's yeah, the quote yeah. isn't it yeah they could just use that things, we, we talked about this uh, a few a few episodes back as well but it's those little tiny lines of dialogue that give so much credit to these types of scenes because yeah. they could have gone through all the time crash and ignored that problem if they wanted to just not brought any attention back to it but because they threw that one line of dialogue in they were able to put in all the other things about saggy face bold patch on the back of his head yeah, get yeah. away with all that because they threw in that tiny line and you just accept it as well don't you yeah, you just, you don't it's not them. that far out of there. You just kind of go, yeah, fine. Yeah, no. you know, it fits everything else that's happening. No, exactly. Um, this is it, this is another Stephen Moffat short, isn't it? This one, didn't he write it? Uh, Stephen Moffat, I'm sure I'm he did. Not sure, I could have sworn he did. I actually can't remember. Oh, okay, never mind. It's set completely on the set of the Tenth Doctor's TARDIS, um, and it's again. I would say this is again yet another love letter to the past because Ten is a very meta representation for the fan, isn't he? He's kind of like. You know, yeah. talking about about uh, about the Fifth Doctor and kind of like he offers him his sonic screwdriver at one point, and he kind of says, "Do you want to use this?" And he goes, "No, thank you." He says, "Oh, yeah, you're all about the kettle and string, aren't you?" At this point, no sonic screwdriver. Um, so it's it's very much kind of like the Fifth Doctor looking back at the Tenth and kind of like sorry, Tenth looking back at the Fifth and kind of reflecting from a fan's perspective. Did you guys watch this when it aired? I think so. Yeah. So do you watch it with your dad at the time, Cook? Oh yeah, of course you wouldn't. You didn't join him by this point, did you? Did you watch it with your dad at the time, Cook? Um, possibly. This is a children in need thing, wasn't it? It was. Yeah. So yeah, yeah most likely. And um, and from a like a fan's perspective, can you remember what his take on it would have been? Um, because it's interesting that's that not really. I don't think he's a massive five fan anyway. Right. Fair so. enough. Because it's interesting to kind of like look at watch this episode from with somebody who is familiar with the with the, the fifth doctor's era and somebody who's not uh, i was watching it at the time at uni with uh uh with the wife and um her flatmates now they obviously knew who david tennant was and kind of like doctor who and stuff like that and even even my wife at the you know that sort of knew who david tennant was and stuff like that but none of them were really familiar with the fifth doctor concept and it was interesting to watch and they but they were asking so many frigging questions like so who is this? Who is this? Who is this guy? He's what? Well, he he used to be the doctor. So this is like a previous, a different person. Like no, 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 no. Having to explain it all to them. Um, but I think the, the the beauty of this is it doesn't bog itself down, does it? With with the specifics, it just wants you to take it at face value. Um, for what it yeah. is. I mean, I find the fifth doctor a lot more compelling in this than his actual episodes yeah. from his era. I think yeah. they do a good job as well of going 
these are the differences but actually look at all the similarities we have as well and not just the bit at the end where they're calling out the fact that they you know he's matching their shoes and matching their glasses and all that but even the bit right back at the beginning where you've got the fifth doctor literally ranting and raving about the fact that uh 10 is talking about everything that happens to be right in front of him by extension doing exactly what he's complaining about yeah 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 so it's kind of like the same person hasn't learned from the, yeah. the, the it's old like, mistakes it, it, yeah. it's, they may be different but they're not so far apart yeah, yeah 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 i quite like that i quite like that one of the tiny little things really petty things that irritates me is uh and i get why they did it i totally get why they did it but i just it, it, i dislike it is five referencing linda um you know the uh, Love and Monsters uh, fan group, um, and five having a concept of fan groups because I, I, the Fifth Doctor never struck me as, as someone who was that kind of uh, egotistical. Um, six, on the other hand, I could totally see being like that, being like, "Oh, you're a fan, aren't you?" You know, I go around the universe saving the day. I'm bound to have fans. I can't personally see the Fifth Doctor being like that. Um, yeah, I kind of agree with you there, to be honest. But that's just my take on it. I mean, I, I, I don't. They had to kind of have a link in it somehow. Um, well, they didn't need to mention Linda. No, or not particularly. Do that. <laughs> it, it was just for comedy value, I think, more than anything, yeah, wasn't see, it? I think they had to because again, they're going back and throwing a lot of stuff about five in there. It makes yeah. sense to also include some more modern, uh, more new who in there as well. Flip it round a little the, bit. The goal, the yeah. goal is to try and merge the two, not have one over dominate dominate the other yeah that's that's why i'm kind of saying yeah they, i can see the point in why they included it yeah, yeah there was... i agree with your statement about five completely i don't think he's the type of person who would uh, be concerned with having fans yeah or groups after him for whatever reason yeah but yeah i think they, they did have to look for some things to be able to blend the two mm, no definitely yeah it's a good little story this one though um it, and, and whether or not it was a litmus test to show that multi-doctor stories work contrary to what christopher eccleston thinks um i think it's a shame that they've never used this format again going forward it really is a shame that they've never tried to use this format and I just don't understand why and it staggers me that they haven't and I'm hoping they will for the 60th um, you know uh, it's even Colin Baker's appearance is starting to wane for even dimensions in time so yeah 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 well they, they you know time There's passes no excuse and, like, no, it just isn't. <laughs> not not in a not in a universe that the Doctor Who stories are saying, You know, everything's so fantastical and high fantasy in science fiction. You get away with real it. life health issues or unwillingness to participate. Well, that's part. That's about it. Exactly. Yeah, that's exactly it. Um, this particular story, then, so with the with the the like the the plot in itself and all the business of kind of the two Tardises colliding together and all that business, completely feasible in it. It kind of fits into the canon of the story, and this is this is interesting because this is the first Doctor Who story that we're talking about in today's story. You know, review of Minnesota and stuff that is legit. It is canon. It did happen. Yeah. Um, I think the beauty of this though is that it because it's like squeezed in between uh, two shots within the same scene. You don't need to watch it. You don't need to see it. it doesn't kind of like lead the way to anything. Um, it kind of gives a little bit of extra sort of um, exposition on as to why the uh, why the Titanic crashes through the walls of the TARDIS, but it doesn't kind of like you know lead itself into being necessary for that story, does it? Absolutely. You, I mean, yeah. if this was actually in the end of the episode of Who or the beginning of the of the Titanic episode, yeah, I would be complaining that it's what I normally do, which is one of those things you could have taken out. It's pointless. Yeah. Um, however, but in this format, it works perfectly. Mm. Yeah. No. No. Completely agree. Completely agree. Have you guys got anything particular that you really enjoyed about this this minisode? Um. I, well, it's 
isn't it allegedly like a, a personal love letter from David Tennant because the the Fifth Doctor was the one that he watched growing up. Because yeah, I mean, there's a line, isn't there, in the actual thing where he does say, "Because you were my Doctor," and it is very much a, uh, like you said, his love letter trying to actually get that point across and actually. I'm glad that they. I, you know, I don't obviously know the logistics behind it, but I'm kind of glad they were that they went to the effort to get the one that he watched back on screen. Yeah, yeah, I suppose so. Yeah, yeah it's that's... quite a nice passing of the torch moment. Yeah, it is in a way, really, isn't it? Yeah, no, I suppose it is. I suppose it is. Um, I wonder if that was the first. Yeah, it must have been the first choice of Doctor because, like you just said, Cook, it, it, it is very much reminiscent of it being Stephen Moffat's favourite era. Um, so yeah, it is, it is. It's kind of like love letter in a roundabout way. And, and the, I was just say the little yeah. bits as well, which I quite like adding is is the um, it's sort of their goodbye bits again as well. When particularly when David playing you know as the tenth doctor says, "All my love to long ago," right yeah, after five goes, and he looks genuinely sad when he's left yeah. alone in the TARDIS again. Yeah, yeah, indeed, indeed, indeed. Because um, at that point as well, he's you know did still time war. Uh, being locked out of everything so that's it you know he's got that little moment of being happy with remembering the past followed immediately yeah. by that tint of that's no it's a nice touch back. no it's a really nice touch I, I do i do really enjoy that i do really enjoy that with um god what was going to say um it's interesting as well i can't we've done martha haven't we so they've done uh the doctor's daughter and and david has met um Good God, I can't remember his wife's name. What's David Tennant's wife's name called? Uh, Georgia Moffat, thank you. Yeah, so Steve, Peter Davison's daughter. Um, so they've met by this not point. Happened, so. Not happened yet, has it? I thought that happens in the next series. No, that happens with Martha. Yeah, but it's when Martha gets picked back up with Donna, isn't it? Donna's not in the Doctor's daughter, is she? Yeah. Is she? What does she do in this yeah. story? Well, that, in, the, in the Doctor's Daughter. Yeah, I just remember get, Martha being They get there. separated. So the Doctor, Jenny and Donna get taken off to be put in the human camp prison and Martha gets taken off to be uh, a Doctor for fish people. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah thank you. Colour me surprised then. So um, that's got to be awkward for David Tennant sort of meeting his father-in-law without without knowing about it. That was the angle I was getting at. That was the whole angle I was getting at, basically. Well, five and ten. Again. I know, terrible. Five and ten getting together, not realising what the connection is. What are the odds of that? Like, really? <laughs> yeah, that whole that whole family dynamic is pretty bizarre, isn't it? Because uh, Peter Davison, obviously, daughter, George, uh, George Moffat, uh, David Tennant is the husband of George Moffat and the son-in-law of Peter Davison and there's another link as well I can't remember what it is what is it there's another one there's some other link in there no okay uh, never mind it's gone whatever it was there, there is something else there I can't remember what it is though but um, but yeah that's Time Crash that is Time Crash there's not really much more we can say on Time Crash I don't think um, other than it's probably like the only canon story that's in there so bearing in mind that we've kind of just covered those three big big heavy hitters we'll, we'll talk about the other ones very briefly which is your favourite out of the three that we've just watched. out of the three we've just watched which was your favourite to watch they're all about 15-20 minutes apiece Time Crash is only about 8 minutes I think is it really okay well either way irrelevant what's the uh, which one was was you know uh, I just love Dimensions in Time. Did you Not really? Dimensions in Time. I was going to say. Uh, <laughs> I hate Good God, Dimensions you in Time. very, very nearly surprised me then. You genuinely <laughs> nearly surprised me then. Curse Fatal Death for Cook. What about you, Matt? Mind me, Time Crash. I'm I'm not a huge comedic fan. I won't get out of my way to watch things just for comedy's sake normally. And I like the fact that it 
it's a like that proper part in the torch moment but there's also some uh, there's interesting dialogue in it and it's like i said quite self-contained so that's the in one that i'd come back to time crash yeah 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 cool um i'm curse of Vettel death as well i'm afraid i just i just really enjoyed it it, it, it felt daft and silly but it, it almost kind of like felt like a litmus test for what doctor who could have been if it came back in the 90s um oh yeah and to clarify i think it's very very good however mm. i'm just not a comedy orientated person it's not where i normally flow to no that's fair enough so we're very very rapidly running out of time so i've got two questions for you one of them is uh this is to each of you what would you what would your dream scenario be for like a 10 minute mini so charity sketch whatever can contain it to 10 minutes don't go too in depth on what you want it to do but what would you like to see like all the doctors back all the companions you know would it would it be something kind of like canon or would you like to see i'll give you an example right because mine's dead dead easy and straightforward i would love i would have would have loved it's not going to happen now but i would have loved to have seen a doctor who red dwarf crossover for like comic relief back in the late 80s or early 90s i think that the the combo of actors in that would have been fantastic and it would have been really funny anything you can think of cook uh the first thing that jumps to mind really is it would have been absolutely fantastic to get some sort of 10 minute um setup scene type thing for Derek Jacobi's master oh yeah that great shout that would have been really good actually that would have been really good but between him between utopia and um the, the next one uh, last of the time lords or whatever it was yeah yeah, yeah, good potentially, or, or him setting himself up in the, the end of the universe. Yeah, that would have been a very good shout. What, what about you, Matt? Oh, why couldn't he gone last? That's a horrible one to follow up on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my, the one that I came to mind for me, actually, is it would have been nice to see a selection of the Doctor's companions actually do so, do something where they have to save the Doctor and probably flip it on his head. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that would that. What, in a new, new Who compare? Uh, capacity like rose and stuff any any group of companions you know get a good group of them together and see them solve a problem with their experiences with the doctors they've encountered yeah no that'd be pretty cool that'd be pretty cool that'd be pretty cool you can imagine something happening like that because there's enough of them god knows with new who now it's 17 years it's been back on for so there's, there's, there's definitely enough of them so i mean we've covered those those three big ones and we've mentioned briefly that there've been some other little ones there's been um the honorable mentions what's your favorite out of everything that we haven't covered so far what are your what's your favorite your single favorite one that you can think of off the top of your head matt so single favorite one yeah minisode extra scene well the the one that jumps to mind for me actually is um i quite enjoy the space time ah you bastard i was gonna choose that yeah no fair play i, I agree i completely agree I uh, think it's such a simple premise executed so well. Yep, perfectly done. Very, very clever. What about you, Cook? Uh, that would have also been my choice. Space time. I do like the um, the River Song ones. The, the oh, the Night Bad together. Night, isn't it? Yeah, it's like. I don't remember those that well. That's the one. Yep. I'll have to go back and watch those because I don't remember them. It's her kind of like writing a lesson to the Doctor, isn't it? But no, no, it's her going on dates with the Doctor. Effectively, yeah, it's like, her, it's like her, in and yeah, out of the TARDIS and like the doctor having to do several different things at once with multiple different ribbons yeah, yeah vaguely <laughs> rings good. a bell yes yes now i remember actually now i remember yeah yeah that, that's pretty clever that's pretty clever that's when she's in a storm cage as well isn't it yeah okay cool now i remember but yeah there's, there's, there's plenty of that and we just don't have any of those with with, with recent who especially in chibnall's era we just don't get them there aren't any there are no extended scenes there are no extra bits and bobs it is what you get and that's it which is very disappointing in some respects i think we also have to give an honorable mention to um the What's his, What's it called? I can't remember its actual name now. The Eighth Doctor one. Uh, Night of the Doctor. 
yeah that's it yeah oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah night of the doctor is obviously one, very very brilliant um we covered that when we did uh the day of the doctor bit didn't we but um yeah that that is a standalone kind of like prologue is probably one of the strongest ones that you can possibly get i think maybe um because it's so it's so important to the show's lore yeah you're right about that definitely but from a kind of like standalone perspective i'd say yeah i, I quite enjoy space space time i think that's 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 quite an enjoyable one and i'm hoping with russell t davis coming back as well we're going to get more of these because it is quite exciting when those little things drop and you do get to see those little extra bits and bobs and they are quite clever and for anyone out there who's mm, sorry go on we also had that that extra extended scene with bill didn't we when they announced her uh, yeah, which was just taken from the first episode anyway, but yeah, it was kind of like it was sort of a little bit and time pressure-esque where it slots in between two bits that we saw in the actual episode. That's right, yeah. Um, it didn't actually feature. Yeah, no, that's it. That's exactly it. So, um, I've completely forgotten what I was going to say, <laughs> so it's probably a really good place to wrap that up. Um, thanks for tuning in, as per usual. Give us a like and subscribe on our Twitter and Facebook channels. Don't forget to join us next week where we're bringing you new reviews and content, but for now, it's a goodbye from us.